Good morning, everybody, or good afternoon. It's Marianne Harris here of Hard at Work. And we are doing another podcast series about how to create an impactful legacy for your business. So my intention of doing this podcast is just to work with um, CEOs, business owners, nonprofit executives, people that are really need to be hands-on in regarding their employees, the workplace culture, or having either better productivity. There's all kinds of issues that happen at work, right? So I would like to welcome you, Mitchell Levy. He's with me today. And so welcome. <laughs> Good to be here. It's morning or evening or, you know, <laughs> there's some time of day anywhere in the world. I guess I'm still in the morning mode. It's still bright outside. <laughs> so anyway, so Mitchell, um, I recently got to know and uh, through a collaborative group that we belong to. And so Mil Mitchell, can you just tell us a little bit about what you do, what kind of problems you solve and kind of get started there? Oh, sure. Uh, I am a global credibility expert and I work with busy, successful professionals who recognize the need for more credibility and they want that credibility through a book, but they really don't have any time. So what you have to imagine is four months from today, uh, my team will have ghostwritten, published, distributed, and made you an Amazon best-selling author, and you've spent as little as five hours. So for those we work with, we press the easy button. <laughs> and of course, you have a, a large team, um, global team, I think you mentioned. So how do you manage all them to get help? You, you know, it's really, it's really fascinating. Uh, when I was in the corporate space, there was always the discussion of, do we want to be, have people physically in front of us? Is it okay that people work around the world? When I was working for a global company, by definition, they're working around the world. How do you, how do you manage? And, you know, the old school industrial society way of managing people is to hang over their desk and give them things to do and have a whip and whip them when they don't do stuff well. And that's the old school style. That's the industrial age society, which we are partially in the transition from that to the social age. The social age is you empower people to be more successful. You give them the tools that are necessary. You give them the ability for them to achieve. You give them the goals that you want them to accomplish and you become more successful because you've demonstrated that. So a lot of my team, uh, like many of us, my programming team is in India, uh, my support team, my writing team, my primarily all of my project managers are in the Philippines, my copy editors, because we're book publishing is in the US. We've published over 850 books. Mm -hmm. And I do it with a beautiful team that are outsourced, but I'd say somewhere around 10 years ago, I didn't know what that meant or how to do it. Mm -hmm. So let me tell you what happened. Yeah. So imagine you have conversations with, with somebody who's really smart. Mm -hmm. And so I, I met somebody here. We're in Silicon Valley. I met somebody in Silicon Valley. They were going back to India, uh, to the Philippines. They say, Hey, Mitchell, you can outsource your stuff to people here are really smart. So I had somebody really smart. I went through three or four people, very smart, and we'd have a conversation. 
And I'd say, hey, let's do ABC. And they would go, yep, got it, got it, got it. And then they deliver the results. And it was sometimes it was BCE, but a lot of times it was DEF, like just completely different because I said something, they interpret it with their lens and delivered what they thought was valuable. It wasn't that they didn't do work. It was that they didn't, they weren't told what type of work to do. And I went through that for about eight months. Mm-hmm. And then I found the answer. And the answer is if you're in the IT space, you can understand an input output diagram. Mm-hmm. No input output diagram is basically you've got this, this square, a black box, and then you have stuff, a line going in, stuff going in the black box, and you have a line going out, stuff coming out of the black box. So as soon as I documented the processes, and I said, so for instance, if we want a book cover, Here's the input that goes into the book cover. Here are all the steps that need to occur. And here's examples of what I want as an output. Um, as soon as I did the same thing for a manuscript, here's what manuscripts look like. Here's, here's what goes in. Here are the processes in the middle. Here's the output. As soon as I did that, I realized that, that as long as I gave a output of what I was interested in and an input, which was similar to an example of the past, it was so much easier for the team to be actually able to execute on that. And so uh, right now we've got ISO uh, 9000 standard documentation. We're using Google Docs for all this, where we have our processes listed and we have the examples of what typically goes in and what goes out. And, And for me, the type of person I am, I like, finding a problem, solving it, document it once, putting a team in place and moving to the next problem. So I'm, I've got people who are uh, chief of staff, chief content writers. I've got a series of writers. I'm the writers. I created a writing school. Why? Because here's the content. Typically what happens, Marilyn, I do a, I do a two to three hour interview of the expert. I pull out their genius and then from there, the team writes the manuscript. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I needed to create a writing school that says, okay, here's the audio file that's coming in. Here's the transcript that's coming in. Here's how to go about <laughs> creating the manuscript. And, and, you know, you can't just go from the beginning to the end. You got to do piecemeals. And so we have a number of writers who are now, who have graduated from our AHA That writing school. And then I have a chief content writer who is evaluating that. So I think the, you asked me one question, I'm gonna answer another one. The first question is how do you work with an outsourced team? Uh, treat them like any other team, but make it easy for them to succeed. Right. And how do you make it easy to succeed? Just be very clear what the output is, not verbally. You have to physically show, here's the output, here's the input, here's how to do it. The, the value of that is powerful. And as an executive, now this is something that's really fascinating. Anything that you do, mm-hmm. regardless of your role, I sat on the board of a public company. So whether or not it's the CEO, uh, whether a uh, board, you can't do any outsourcing, but whether it's a CEO, any executive, CXO position, any position, even if you're just a manager of people, anything you do today that you do over and over again, very repetitive, very easy to document and let somebody else do it. Right. Right. And, and that's the thing is 
I'm constantly looking for, when I was scaling and I continue to scale the business, I'm looking for things that I do. And one of the things that I would spend a lot of time on is evaluating the work that the writers created. Mm-hmm. And as much as that's an important part of my product, the most important part of my product is to actually sell it. <laughs> and so the most important thing that I can do as CEO of my company is to be in front of people, be in front of prospects and say, hey, does this make sense for you? If it's yes, we go forward. If it doesn't, I'll say that. Because right. having authenticity is the most important thing, right? So if, you are in thought, or if you're authentic, people end up getting to know you, they like you, they trust you, because if it doesn't make sense, we say no. And so if you can do that and and focus on on what's important, for me at the moment at this stage of my company, it's continually being, it's building product for tomorrow and helping close more business. And anything I could give away, satisfying existing customers, yes, it's important for me to be in front of and talk to our authors at points in time, but I don't need to do the direct writer. So I have now a chief content writer who I meet with weekly and I've given tools and approaches and processes of how she can work with the writers to help increase them. And so I guess the, the two questions I'd answer is a document, Mm -hmm. make it consistent, B whatever you can give away and outsource the better so that you can focus on, on what's really important to you and your business at the point, whatever stage revolution your business is in. Yeah, I think one of the th- key things you said is about documenting it. But how often and how difficult is that? For me to sit down and document, I can't be bothered. But I know eventually I'm going to have to document it if I want somebody else to carry over from where I left off, right? So I think that's um, a good challenge to um, really sit down and work on. That is, um, yeah, that's for sure important to know. So how do you manage then all the other people that are in your team? Um, What do you communicate with them on a daily basis or do you just give them a project? Because now it sounds like you've got everything, all the processes in place. So now what do you do? What happens if any personal issues come up or personality issues come up? How do you handle them? Oh, there's always stuff, right? So let's see. Let me reframe your question first and I'll get to your answer. So first is what, let me say, what is a project, right? Just so you understand. So, cause we're all project-based. So a project will be, there's a particular author, group of authors, anthology book. There's a, there's a, there's a thing called a book. Okay. Uh, we're using a specific tool, in this case, to use Basecamp, and we allow using Basecamp to assign the key people from the team who are working on the book mm-hmm. to a particular project so that the author is feeling like they're the most important people in the world. They have a project that evolves around them. Right. Remember, everything I do, everything I say mm-hmm. is evolved around making sure that the author is feeling important. because. Right. By the way, they're the customer, they pay the bills, they are important, right? And, and so in that evolution, we assign the right team members. Right now, I've got a, a couple different project managers and my and a, a, basically a, a chief of staff who make sure that the right people get assigned to the project. So each step along the way, 
uh, we have conversations. So with my chief of staff, I meet with uh, twice a week. With my project managers, key project managers, once a week. The the chief content officer once a week. So it depends on who the person is, whether or not they meet with me directly. I meet with the team because we're virtual. It's hard to get together any more than once a month. Uh, so we get together and have a group meeting once a month. Mm -hmm. And then each manager gets to meet with their support staff. So with writers, they talk to them sometimes daily. Right, and, and we want a daily update on things that are going on. The reason we need a daily update from our writers is just simply that an author, if the world evolves around the author, may ask for, hey, what's the status of my book anytime? Right. And so we need our writers to actually give us information every day, right? And, and also to verify that they're on track and they have the right voice and all that. So what happens? Uh, we, in the perfect world, we know when there are people who are, things are going to happen. Uh, one of the major problems we had recently, there's a mosquito virus going around in the Philippines and India. One of my chief players in India uh, got bit. He fortunately did not die, but went into the hospital. Wow. So what's the backup plan, yeah. right? So for each person you have, What's the backup plan? And if you have documentation, like here's the process, here's what's happened, here's the documentation for doing it. If you have documentation in place, then the most important thing, if it's somebody who talks to me on a regular basis, one of the questions I'll ask is, so who's your backup, <laughs> right? Because I don't have to assign the backup. They just need to make sure they spend time with somebody on the team to train them on what happens if things happen. Because right. life is important whether or not it's a family member, whether or not it's your own health or something else, things always get in the way. The customer doesn't care if they gave us a deadline, mm -hmm. right? Not that customers are mean. It's just, you know, <laughs> we have to make sure. So the important part is whoever is dealing directly with the asset, the asset in this case being uh, somebody who works for the team, um, just needs to know what's happening. Like, other weddings or vacations or things going on. And so who's the backup? Right. Um, when we, uh, one of the things we do, we do an Amazon bestseller campaign. So right. with all of our books, we guarantee that we'll make it an Amazon bestseller. During the time where we're running the campaign, we need almost 24 hours monitoring of the book. So in the past, it would be one or two people. I just sort of had this uh, transformation uh, within the last couple of months that I want the whole team involved. Right. So we created a schedule and every one of our writers get to sign up to grab an hour or two monitoring as a schedule. And guess what? They now all feel involved right. with an author. When the author has hit, let's say number one in a particular country, all of a sudden they're feeling personal motivation for having done that. Right. And it, it's so there any way, anytime we could find a way to give somebody or it, I mean, it's, it's work per se, but it's really kind of an, a reward and they get to understand the bigger picture of what the company is doing. Right. Those sort of things are important. Yeah. I totally get that because, you know, it's just like, okay, I can take, you know, yay, you know, like for that, for all that. Right. And it, it really does give somebody a personal empowerment, like you're saying, you know, 
help you to transform your own business as well. So what are some of um, other challenges do you have, have you had that you'd like to share with us? Let's see. I think I'll take two sides. Um, there's the challenge of work, mm -hmm. you know, getting enough business, right? And there's a challenge of getting too much business. Right. Okay. So we'll we'll do both. I'll I'll do the two uh, the having too much business first. The problem with too much business, if you have good processes in place, that's great. But if you don't have enough staff to support the new clients come in, you got to work on that. Right. And and so I'm in the midst of a major new initiative and I've given the team about three months to start thinking about what life would be like if their jobs were a hundred times more busy than right. it was today. Right. So what that means is um, a, you've got to figure out how to automate where appropriate. You got to figure out how to, how to outsource what you don't need to do. You got to be ready because if you think we're busy now, not just a 10x, but a 100x increase, what does that mean? Right. And, and so when I'd have meetings with my people, I say, I know that looks really busy, but what happens if, uh, as an example, instead of having 40 inputs here, what if we had 4,000? How would you deal with that? Right. <laughs> and, 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 and I get this shocked look on my face. Okay, let's figure out how to fix that, right? So. <laughs> So that's the, the, the piece of, and by the way, hiring people, not as easy to hire people uh, because it, you got to kind of have the right attitude. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of the being part of the family and at the same time having a very important, it's, I'm not as important as my customers, right? right? So how do you focus on the, the end customer, even though many of our people will never see the end customer? Right. Right. And, and I love the fix, but, but, but in many cases that just wouldn't work for so many reasons. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's do the other side. Not enough business. So, so many times I hear entrepreneurs say, Mitchell, I, I don't have enough business or in the group that you and I are part of. Yeah. What often happens is there might be a consultant that takes on two or three clients a year and that's enough business for them. Right. And then one day they wake up and they don't have any new clients because the referral base they had in the past has either retired or died. Right. So what has to happen for any business, you got to figure out in today's world, you got to figure out how people can know, like, and trust you. Right. Um, and I did a Ted talk on this. So just Google Mitchell Levy Ted talk and, and you could, it, it's more about how do we do business tomorrow? Mm -hmm. And, the interesting part, you have to continually be out there meeting new people, driving new leads, having opportunities, whether it's you or your hundred sales force, if you're, if you're a bigger, bigger company or a thousand sales, whatever it is, you need to continually be driving leads, i.e. the right leads. Right. And you have to use a combination depending on your product of physical versus online and using all the appropriate tools in place. And for any B2B and many B2C companies, LinkedIn is one of the best vehicles. So what does your LinkedIn profile look like? I, I ran into a guy today starting a new company, spent six months focused on developing the new company, has all these phenomenal goals of what's going on, and his LinkedIn profile will scare prospects <laughs> away. I mean, not just, not just, so there's a, 
good enough, right? So you can get to a link that like a 50% is good enough, but below 50%, when people see you, and by the way, the first thing that happens when somebody hears your name, whether it's your company name or your individual name, they're going to Google you. LinkedIn spends a couple hundred million dollars to make sure that your name and their product pops up. And when people see your profile and they go, oh my God, I can't be associated with that, they're going to run away. So, so you need to have those sort of things in place. And then for me personally, I'll be a little vulnerable here. What I could say between 2005 and 2017, we published over 800 books and I was serving the wrong audience. And I, it it wasn't that I did bad, uh, led a good life, did lots of fun things. Um, It's just, I didn't realize who my audience was. Mm -hmm. And and at the time, the the audience I was serving were people who wanted to write their own books. I just wanted to make it easier if you wanted to write a book to be able to write it yourself. Mm -hmm. And in 2018, when I switched to focusing on the audience of people who needed the books written for them, all of a sudden, partnerships are falling into place. New clients are falling into place. The level of our invoices have increased by a factor of 10. I mean, it's just absolutely spectacular what is now much easier because the, the direction is more focused right. and more narrow. And so on both sides of the equation, just take a look at who you are and what you're doing and figure out a, what is your product? What is your go-to-market strategy? Are you targeting the right audience? Right. And then B, how, when you get successful enough where that audience comes to you, how do you make sure you're going to satisfy them? Right, right. No, I totally get that because, you know, uh, as you know, I've been kind of transitioning from baking to doing something else. And I figured it out today. I'm doing both. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> so, you know, By the way, that's just, yeah. Marilyn, that, that is, it's really fascinating because many people in the world say you have to do either or, you have to do this or that. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, when you realize that you could take your passion and your business and combine them in such a way where you're having fun and making money, yeah. oh man, life is so much better. Yeah, yeah, totally. I totally get it. So now when I have my profile, it's like, okay, do I change the one on LinkedIn again? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> but anyway, it's just, it's a process. And once you can embrace it and just say, yeah, I'm going to do both, you know, that's how it's going to work. So yeah, that's great. So I love talking with you, Nick. So, so tell me a little bit more how people can get a hold of you if they want to get that book written. You know, it's so funny. I, uh, I'm one of those guys. I've got 200 domains. I've got probably 20, 25 active websites, lots of stuff all over the place. And I used to rattle off a ton of stuff. And there's some things that I really want to tell you about. But what I'll do instead is give you one URL. It's MitchellLevy360.com. That's my name, M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L-L-E-V-Y-360.com. Okay. And what you can see there is you can you can find the right social media to connect to me to. You can see a two minute video testimonial of uh, what people have said about working with us. Um, if it's, if you get very excited about it, you can schedule time on my calendar. Right. So that's MitchellLevy360.com and you'll get access to figuring out how best you want to reach out. Right. Yeah. And how best they want to work with you. What kind of problems they can solve for them. 
you know, it's not like it's not even just maybe a book. Maybe it's the do you do white papers? Yeah, no, we we're we are we are a hundred percent focused on books. And what is nice about what I've done by doing this focus and being four months from beginning to end is I now have all these partners who, so yes, I have a partner who does white papers. I have a partner that does website, web site design. I have many partners who do podcasts, both booking you on podcast or creating podcasts for you. I have a partner that does video interviews. I have a couple people that do uh, LinkedIn connectivity. So using LinkedIn to help drive more awareness, and more business. I've got some integrated marketing people. So what happens is because I'm very singularly focused, um, when I look at somebody, I, cause it's never about the book. I mean, the book is a good credibility piece, but a book that goes nowhere is like a tree that falls in a forest that no one's around. What needs to happen is you need to take this asset called a book, the best asset around. You can see I got mine hanging out back there. Like I'll often sit here and I'll say, hey, take a look at my book. And if you want to be seen or be heard as a thought leader. So this is my CPOP today. We're now doing a book on credibility. As a global credibility expert, I need a book on credibility. So what I want to do for those I work with is bring out their customer point of pain as the title of the book. But to get the book in the hands of their prospects requires utilizing one or more of the partners I work with. And because I'm so singularly focused, there's no vested interest in me recommending one versus another because I want you to be successful with the package. Right. And the package is what I deliver plus whatever the partner delivers. Right, right. Of course. Of course. I think we all need collaborative partners to work with. Otherwise, we just don't get ahead ourselves either. It's not as much fun. And it's not as much fun. That's true. That's true. Okay. So thank you for having, uh, having joining me on my call today. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. I, I love to hear the stories about how you work with people and, you know, your teams overseas, because I think that's another issue that people have, right? It's like, how do I work with all these people that I don't, may never see in person, right? Oh, I, I, I'd give a couple, couple, I'll give you three quick tips. One, this thing called Zoom. We could do video interviews versus a phone call significantly better to be able to talk to somebody, period. No ifs, ands, or but. Uh, Going through life with at least one mentor and two mentees, so always be ready to learn from somebody that you perceive above you and somebody that you perceive below you, and you may be surprised where that knowledge comes from. And always be, three, always be ready for some present some opportunity where somebody somebody will bring you some information some knowledge some some approach and you go that's interesting and it may completely transform what you're doing and you got to recognize that if you're not listening for the presence you'll never see them right right well it's just like we had a conversation a few you know weeks ago it's just like yeah that'll all fit with this and this and this and not this and this. so you know it's all working it's just get, receiving those ideas and just saying okay how is it all going to plug in well sometimes you never know but you just know it's going to work okay. Yeah. okay great well thank you for joining me mitchell and um I, if you want to know more about mitchell you can find his profile on podcasts partatworkonline.org and you'll see him there and we'll be about promoting him soon as well his uh, week will be coming up in a couple weeks and we look forward to 
hearing your uh, opinions and feedback that you have. And uh, I'm always willing to learn. So if you have something to say to me, just say it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, thanks, Marilyn. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Bye-bye.